one of the great hymns of our faith, Blessed Assurance. And aren't we thankful for the perfect assurance we have because of Jesus? The only reason we have any assurance. But we do have blessed assurance because we belong to him. Thank you, Mark. Let's look at John chapter 6 for a few moments tonight. John chapter 6, verses 25 to 35, and then also verse 68. John 6 is a long chapter that features a lot of uh, events that happened uh, with Jesus, miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. He walked on the sea. He talked about being the bread from heaven. But here kind of in the middle of this chapter are some remarks that Jesus made that kind of outline for us where we need to turn and why we turn to Jesus instead of in other directions. He kind of, he addresses the different ways that people try to find meaning and purpose in life. But he points out the fallacy of those. And then we have the statement by Peter at the end of John 6 that really bears out where we need to turn, why we turn to Jesus. And so the title, Where Could I Go? To Whom Shall We Go? There are people asking that question in life. Where do I go to find a life worth living? Where do I go to find meaning? Where do I go to find purpose? And people turn to all different kinds of things, don't they? Some turn to uh, power and money. Some turn to their job. They think in their job they're going to find the real reason for life. Some turn to drugs, alcohol, or various kinds of addictions. To whom shall we go? And as we get ready to start a new year, we need to, to come back to this basic thing that the only place to turn, the only one to turn to, really, is to Jesus, isn't it? To God himself. Look at John 6, beginning at verse 25. It says, And when they found him, meaning Jesus, on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And then that closing, if you look in verse 68 near the end, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? Where can we go to find real life? What does it mean to have real life? Is it just to, to be uh, physically alive? Is it just to be existing in this world? Or is there something more, something better? Well, God intended for us to have far more than just being physically alive. He wants us to live in relationship to him, to have eternal life that begins the moment we receive Jesus Christ and lasts for all of eternity. Yes, someday we'll be in heaven with him because of his love and forgiveness, the eternal life that he gives us when we ask him for it, when we receive it. But he also wants us to walk with him and live for him today and every day on this earth as we move toward that day when we'll see him face to face. Here were the disciples of Jesus who had seen some of these amazing things that had happened, and they were grappling with, well, who is Jesus? And there were others who were always around Jesus wherever he went, hangers-on, people who had seen some of his miracles, and they wanted, they wanted to be a part of the entourage. They wanted to follow Jesus, some because they really believed in him, but some because they wanted what they could get out of him. Have, have things really changed that much? There's still a lot of people today, even in, quote, Christian circles, you wonder how much of their faith is really about following Jesus or is it more about what can they get out of him? And you hear some of these same questions asked in many different ways today, the same things that Jesus was answering in the verses that we just read. He points out, Jesus points out our options in this passage. In verse 27, we can turn to what will not last. You see, there were some who had uh, seen these miraculous things that Jesus had done, and they, they wanted more. But notice what it says in verse 26. Jesus answered them, and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes. It's easy for us to turn our attention and put our focus on that which will not last. And that's a lot of stuff, right? Most of what's in this world is stuff that won't last. Just about all of the physical, the stuff that we can, we can touch and accumulate are things that won't last. They're not going to be eternal. And we need some of those things. The Lord knows that we need to eat and we need clothing and we need a place to live. 
He says he will provide those things. But that's not what we labor for. That should not be what life is about. Instead, Jesus goes on to say, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. How do you think God sees our dreams for what life should be about? Do you think God sees in us that we live for him and that we realize that life is not about the abundance of things that we possess, but it's about our relationship with Jesus and what he wants? God would use us to share with this world that that's what life is really about. It's not about the things of this world, things that will not last. Jesus is warning us about having a very small vision of life that's focused on things that will spoil, things that will pass away. It's one of the saddest things that I do as a pastor is to do a funeral. Somebody passes away and I get a call and I go and it's a family sometimes who they're not Christians. But because of uh, the heritage of the family or for some reason, even though they're not Christians, they want a Christian funeral. And so you go and you talk with them and you begin to realize the person who's passed away, they never had any profession of being a Christian. And sometimes nobody in the family does either. But they want somebody to say some words. Sometimes they say it just like that. We hope you'll say some words. Well, you know, I always am thankful for those opportunities because it gives me the chance to, to share the word of life, to talk about Jesus. But it is also something that's very painful to see that there are people who spend their entire life on things that pass away. And when they pass away, there is nothing of eternal value left. Nothing at all. There's nothing more sad than that. God has put us here for himself. And so our lives ought to count for him and for the kingdom of God. And when we draw our last breath, yes, it ought to be about us going to heaven. And it will be because of Jesus, but it ought to mean we're also leaving behind a legacy that we have lived for Jesus. We have shared him. We have done uh, that which is of eternal value by receiving Christ ourselves and pointing others to him. We can turn to what will not last, but Jesus said, don't labor for the food which perishes, but labor for that which endures to everlasting life. But then he adds, which the Son of Man will give you. He's not saying work your way to heaven. He's saying receive what the Son of Man came to give you by giving his own life to pay for our sin. That's what Jesus did. So to whom shall we go? Where, where can we turn to find real life? We turn to Jesus because he will not pass away. Instead, all that Jesus does and all that he leads us to do 
will be that which will have eternal value. Now, another approach is dead religion. We can turn to dead religion. So after Jesus answers this first statement and says, you're following me because what you can get out of me. Don't, don't live for that which will pass away, which will spoil. And then he goes on in verse 28. They said to him, what shall we do? What shall we do? What shall we do that we may work the works of God? This is what the mind and heart of human beings always runs to. Even in the Christian faith, you have whole denominations that though they, they believe Jesus came to be the Savior, to die for our sin, they still can't get over this desire to say, what can we do? And they even turn salvation into something that's not just about what Jesus does. It's about what we do. How can we make ourselves worthy of salvation? How can we keep our salvation by what we do? What can we do, Lord? That's what they say. People are still saying that today. It, that's religion. That's not relationship. That's religion. And that's what the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Israel were all about. And so they're saying to Jesus, and they were well-meaning, I think. What, sh what, what shall we do, Lord, that we may work the works of God? And Jesus said to them, verse 29, this is the work of God. Notice this, that you believe in him, that you believe in him whom he sent. That is the work of God, that we believe in Jesus Christ. Believe meaning to put your whole faith and your trust. Just like you, you had faith when you came in here tonight and you sat down on one of those pews. You never thought about whether that pew was going to hold you up. I don't think you did. You just believed it would. You put your, your life in God's hands. You trust in what Jesus has done for you. This is the work of God. The only work of salvation. The only work that can save you is the work that Jesus has done. Jesus is the one who died to pay for our sin and rose from the dead, and he is the one who will take away your sin and give you eternal life. And what we're called to do is to believe him, to trust him, to give our lives to him. And when we do, he gives us eternal life. It's not to be found in dead religion or in ritual, or in the things that we can do. It's in Him, and in Him alone. Paul had it right. He said it so clearly. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then he talked about where the works come in. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saying that we don't want to do good works. We're created for that. But it's not about how we get to heaven. It's not about 
salvation. It's not about how do we have our sins taken away. It has nothing to do with our works. It's all about what Jesus has done. And it's out of that abundance of grace and love and mercy that we have received that we then serve him joyfully so that others might come to know him. He, the human nature is to want to put ourselves first. It's about us. It's really not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus. From beginning to end, he does the work of saving us. He saves us, he keeps us, and then we live in that salvation to bring honor to him and to share him with the world. We can turn to dead, cold, lifeless ritual and religion, but Jesus says, believe in me, turn to me. That's where our focus must always be. And then... Finally, we can turn to Jesus and find real life. That's what is borne out in what he says here. They would go on in verse 30 to say, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Perform for us, Jesus. Do what we want you to do. There are people still saying that to Jesus today. Do what I expect of you, Jesus, to prove to me who you are. And then I'll believe. Do it my way. Do for me what I demand or what I am asking of you. And when Jesus doesn't dance on the head of a pen for people the way they want him to, sometimes people just say, well, forget you, Jesus. They want Jesus made in their own image. They want Jesus who will say and affirm and do what they want, not to be who he really is. Jesus said in verse 32, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus came. That is the miracle. That is the sign. That's all we need. He came for us. And he gave his life that we might have eternal life he doesn't have to prove himself to us he already has proven himself the ball is in our court will we believe him will we trust him will we turn to him and he says very clearly in verse 35 after they said lord give us this bread always jesus said i am the bread of life i am the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst there is nowhere else to turn for life, for eternal life, for the bread of life. It is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. One writer says, if you come to Jesus today and say, Lord, I'm hurting, make me feel good. That's no good. If you come to him and say, Lord, I'm sad, make me happy. That's no good. But if you say, Lord, I'm a rebel, it should have been me on that cross. 
I see that you are broken in my place, and I give myself to you in gratitude. Then, and only then, do you receive real life. Life that will last forever. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the quality of life. He is the meaning of life. And he wants us to walk with him day by day. You see, Peter, at the end of the chapter, when others began to turn away, isn't it amazing? With all that had, all Jesus had already done and all that he said, when he said these things, if you look in verses 60 and following, in verse 60 says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And there were many who turned away from him. And that's when Jesus said to Peter, Will you also go away? Will you also go away, Peter? And verse 68, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where will we go if we turn away from you? Well, that's a good question. Where will we go? Where could we go? There is nowhere else to find life. Nowhere else to find forgiveness. Nowhere else to find peace and hope. It's only to be found in Jesus. But why would we turn away? Why would we go anywhere else? Once you've given your life to Jesus... Jesus has you in the palm of his hand. And what did he say? No one can snatch you out of my hand. You see, when you've given yourself to Jesus, that's forever. His grip on you is greater than any sin you can ever commit. He will not turn loose. His love for you, his power to save is that great. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Only in Jesus. We can praise God and thank Him on this night and as we move into a new year that this same Jesus who said these words 2,000 years ago, He hasn't changed a bit. He's just as faithful today as He was then. So, Give praise to God for the privilege it is to turn to Him. And having turned to Him, let us live for Him. Not because we think somehow we're going to earn our way to heaven, but because He has given us the great gift of eternal life. And we want others, we want others to come to know Him. To whom shall we go? Where could we go? Only, only to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for these words that you spoke so honestly, talking to people who are grappling with the deep things of what life meant. And Lord, at least they were, they were grappling with it. We see so many in our world today who don't seem to ever, ever give a thought to eternal things. But maybe in the deep, part of their heart when it's just them all alone we may be surprised Lord how many people are asking those questions they may not have the answers 
but they're wondering, what is life really about? We know that you are the only one to turn to. Lord, if there's someone here tonight who needs to turn to you and say, Jesus, I believe on you, just like you said, just like you told your disciples to do. Believe. Lord, I believe on you. I trust you. I stake my life on you. You will hear that prayer of faith, Lord. And we know that you will forgive and save those who call upon your name. And Lord, if there are people that we know in our lives, people we're going to see tomorrow and in the week ahead and in the year ahead, who don't know you, who haven't turned to you, Lord, help us to commit ourselves to just letting you use us to be a witness to them through our own lives, through the way we live, the words we say. And Lord, we pray in the year ahead, we'll see people come to faith in Jesus, that you'll give us that opportunity to share with them. People desperately need you, Lord, just like we need you. And we pray that you'll use us to share your great love with people. Bless this time of invitation now. And may we publicly and privately now do and commit to you what you lead us to do. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation hymn. I'll be standing up front if the Lord has laid a decision on your heart tonight. Publicly or privately. You follow his direction. I'll be here to help. To pray with you. To help you. You let God lead you as we sing together.